I'm going to read Galatians 5, 1 through 6. Uh, it says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. All right, spoiler, right from the get-go, here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. I'm going to ask you to invest in the forefront community. That's what I'm going to ask you to do at the end of this message today, which means I'm going to ask you to do one of three things. I'm going to ask you to, number one, volunteer on Sundays, um, even though this morning doesn't quite look like it. We're growing the fastest we've ever grown as a church in the history of our church, which is great news. It means we need more volunteers. Second thing, I'd like you to give to our church. I'd like you to give to our church because as we grow, our budget grows. And so last year, our budget was $355,000. This year, it's $411,000. Just a lot more going on. Give to our church. And last but not least, serve with our partners. So you just heard from uh, American Arab Family Support Center. Serve. Let's do it together. That is what I'm going to ask you to do. Why am I going to ask you to do those things? I'm going to tell you why. And I'm not being, um, can I say hyperbolic for hyperbole? Yeah, I'm not being hyperbolic, and I've said this to you before. I believe that our church and our just and generous vision literally is going to change the course of Christianity in this country. I truly, truly believe that, and I want you to be a part of it. In fact, I think our church is going to change the course of Christianity in this country so much that we are going to be right on par with circumcision. That's big, right? It's pretty big. I'll explain. It all starts with Abraham, who was 99 years old. Got any 99-year-olds in here? No. This is what happens. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised, and you are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you for the generations to come. Every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, and then circumcision just continues and keeps getting talked about. And then I'm going to skip to the bottom where it says, Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised. For those of us who don't know, real quick, uh, circumcision is, uh, is the cutting off of the foreskin at the tip of what is usually identified as the male genitalia. That's what it is. 99 years old, that's what Abraham went ahead and did. Now we have to remember when he did it, he did it with literally a group of friends. No joke. There was no Tylenol. There's no anesthetic. Literally, he was like, hey, Phil, can you come here for a minute? <laughs> and Phil was like, sure, what do you need? And he's like, I, we have this covenant. Bring a, bring a sharp rock. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. That's what went down. I mean, I'd like to tell you I'm kidding, but I'm not. So, so everybody gets circumcised. Now, why are all the men getting circumcised? Well, here's the deal. When you are talking about Near East cultures, every good Near East culture had a god. And what you did to appease that god is you sacrificed a human being. 
That is what you did, okay? And you sacrificed babies. So even in the book of Leviticus, if you read it, it says, hey, stop sacrificing your children, right? So that's happening in Near East cultures. This is something that's going on, right? It's kind of awful when you think about it. Um, and so what uh, Abraham is doing is, remember, our, our, our Bible is, is, not, is, a, is not a constitution. It's not a rule book. It's a book about how people relate to God. So what Israel is doing through Abraham is saying, well, listen, it doesn't quite make sense to sacrifice human beings. That doesn't make sense. What does make sense? What makes sense is for us to get bigger and stronger. What makes sense is for our population to grow. And so in their limited scientific knowledge, they were like, huh, every time a man lays with a woman, the woman gets pregnant. So the men must have all the whatever it might take to like, get a woman pregnant. So let's do whatever we can to not impede that from happening. Hence circumcision. There's no scientific basis to that now we know. But at the time, that's what was thought. And so now, if we're going to be a greater nation with a better God, because our God doesn't require sacrifice, what our God requires is for us to procreate, for us to grow, for us to become bigger. Which, by the way, this circumcision piece is also start of patriarchy and Western civilization. That's another message that we'll get to soon. Um, yeah, so that happens, right? And so what you have to imagine is you have to imagine that all these other nations, right, or all these other tribes are looking at Israel and they're going, oh my gosh, they stopped sacrificing humans? They're headed down a slippery slope. That's what they're saying. When they went home for Thanksgiving and they told them that we're not sacrificing humans anymore, their parents were like, well, I don't know about that. I'm going to pray for you. That's what was going on. That's what was happening. And so for thousands upon thousands of years, what they did is they said, we are living in a new way. We are announcing something different. We're announcing that there is a better way to live through a just and generous expression of God. And so because of that, we circumcise. That is what we do. Now, if you didn't circumcise, you were considered a heathen. You were considered a pagan. And so remember, when we're reading our scriptures, we're reading about a group of people and how they relate to God. So there's a lot of nationalism in our Bible. And so when you are a group of people that circumcise, you are going to make fun of people who don't, okay? So, uh, for instance, when we read about David, and just as a side note, every time we read about David, think about um, us writing about Abraham Lincoln, okay? Sort of that same national hero, uh, rose-colored lenses, all that, right? So this is what David says when he's he's talking about Goliath. It says, David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that they should defy the armies of God? And again, what our Bible is showing us is, hey, there is a new way to live, a way that shows that our God is greater, our God is stronger. And if you grew up in church, what's the next line? Thank you, everybody. Good job. Some of y'all knew it. Okay, that's what's happening. All right. Thousands of years, that goes down. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up and changes everything. Jesus shows up and says, here, if you want to know what God thinks, if you want to know what God's just and generous expression looks like, look at me. And so what happens is God says, I'm not going to create equality. I'm going to create equity. And for people who are told they're living in shame, I'm telling you that I'm pulling you out of shame. And for people who are told you're in, I'm telling you you're out. And if you've been told you're out, I'm telling you you're in. I'm subversive. I'm political. I am changing and shifting paradigms here. That's what Jesus is doing. So there is this new, incredible way to live through Jesus. And that becomes an exciting thing. In fact, the death and resurrection of Jesus sort of cemented as a new way of living life in the world. And it changes history, right? And so all these new churches are like, wow, 
we're going to live in this new exciting way. We're going to announce to people that there is a better way to do life, and it looks like Jesus. And so there are a bunch of churches that start. One of them is a church, uh, and there are a group of people called Galatians. Okay? And so the Galatians, they get together. The Galatians are mostly Jews. So if you're mostly Jews, what have you done for thousands of years? You've circumcised, right? You've done the circumcision thing. Well, now there's other people. There's Greeks, there's Romans, there's Turks, there's all this, there's this whole other group. They say, hey, we want to live in this new way too. And what the Jews say is, great. You want to live in this new way? We've been living in this new way for thousands of years. Here's what you got to do. Hey, Phil, can you come here for a minute? Right? That's what they're saying. And the Greeks and the Romans especially, and this is very true historically, are going, wait a second. Like, we, we um, you know, we, we're leaving our culture. We're leaving a, a lot of our religion. You know, we used to be a part of these cults. Now we're not going to be a part of them anymore. We don't want to do this. And so they get Paul. And what Paul says, and we've read it already, but it's worth reading again. He says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts, the only thing that counts, is faith expressing itself through Love, And then Paul finishes with these lines. He says, as for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Thanks be to God, the word of the Lord. <laughs> right? Now, there's a couple things that people might say to Paul. What they might say to Paul is, Paul, but the Bible clearly says. How many people in this room have heard somebody say to you, but the Bible clearly says? Because you know what? The Bible clearly says that you should be circumcised. It's very clear. And so they say to Paul, Paul, but the Bible clearly says that this is the case. That's what they say. And so Paul says, yeah, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. And they're like, Paul, maybe you don't know the Bible. And Paul's like, I, I was a Pharisee, which meant I was teaching the Bible to, this, to the other people. I know my Bible really well. And what I'm here to tell you is this Bible is not the be-all, end-all. It's an incredible thing. It's God-inspired. It's God-breathed. But God is working in such a way where Jesus shows us a new way to live in the world. And God is working in such a way where thousands of years ago with Abraham, circumcision was a new way to live in the world. And now, now circumcision actually gets in the way of what God's trying to accomplish. And so if it's getting in the way of what God's trying to accomplish, if it's getting in the way of us expressing faith through love, then we don't need to do it anymore. That is what Paul is saying. And so once again, you have to imagine there are people who are going, Paul's headed down a slippery slope. Paul, I'm going to pray for you. Paul goes home to Thanksgiving dinner, and people are like, you're voting for the wrong political person. Like, all that's happening to Paul, right? But what is Paul doing? Well, Paul's saying, if there is truly a new way to live, if Jesus Christ is truly good news, if that's the case, then we should always pay attention and see if the letter is getting in the way of God, what God's trying to do in this world today. And if that's the case, then what is the Spirit telling us to do? How is the Spirit moving? How is the Spirit working? So if we're going to announce this new way, we no longer live by the letter, but we live by letter and Spirit. And in this case, the letter is not bringing people forward. It's not helping people. It's not affirming people. What it's doing is excluding people. And we don't exclude. Our faith is lived out by affirmation through love. That's what he says. This is scandalous. I think we have to understand how scandalous. This changes, this shifts paradigms. In fact, this is part of the reason Paul dies, right? I mean, the Roman Empire is how he ultimately gets killed. But there are the, the, you know, there are the higher-ups who are like, he is messing with our religion. We need to do something about this guy. Sort of like Jesus, right? So where does that leave our church? 
Where does it leave us? I think, I think that we are at a place, I think we're at a, an important place in our history. And we don't have to talk very much about why we're at an important place in our history, but we are. We are at a place where Christianity is changing. How many people have heard of the rise of the nuns? I talk about this all the time. People who are leaving the church. How many people in this room left the church for a time being? Why? Because something does not make sense any longer. Because what is going on in our world is that, is that we've decided that the letter is the be-all, end-all, even at the point of exclusion. We're more than happy to follow the law and exclude others so long as we have the six or seven right beliefs. And we do the three or four right things, and we don't do the three or four other things. And that's what our Christianity has been boiled down to. And what that does is it affects and messes with people's lives. Three years ago... Somebody came up to me. They said, uh, I said, I came out as gay, and my pastor gave me a hug and then put me in reparative therapy. And they said that I have ridiculous PTSD, and I don't know if I can ever come back to church again, but here I am. And I need you to tell me that this is a safe place for me. I need you to tell me you're not going to pull the rug out from underneath me. Whew. I said, yes, it is. And the person came for three or four weeks. After three or four weeks, I got an email. And the email said, thank you so much. It has been a safe place. I am so damaged by church, I can't even walk in without getting a visceral reaction. And so I don't think I can come back. Ooh, and I got it. I got it. I understood. (sighs) We are at a place where that is happening all over America. We're at a place where people are taking the law and putting the law ahead of people, ahead of humanity, where Paul is going, you know what? It's good for a while, but the second it interferes with what God is trying to do, we stop it. We cut it out. And so what our church did is we said, you know what? We're LGBT affirming. This is nonsense. That lives are at stake in such a way. And we did that, and we told people that we were going to do that, and people walked out our doors, and tens of thousands of dollars walked out of our doors too. That happened. And you know what? We said, you know, it doesn't matter. What we are doing is we are telling people there is a new way to live. We are ushering in something new and something beautiful and something that says faith played out through love and affirmation of another is all that is needed. And we continue to do that. How many people here at one time or another have just completely and utterly doubted? Y'all are pretty good. I love when people come to me and they say, I doubt that this God exists. And I say, explain the God that you doubt exists. And they say, it's the God of violence and the God that says 99% of people are going to hell and the God that wants to love me so much but wants to send me to eternal torment should I do something wrong. And I go, go, you you don't believe in that God? Guess what? I don't believe in that God either. (laughs) Awesome. You know what we have the privilege of doing? Right now we are in a place where we get to announce that Jesus is doing something new. And when Jesus does something new, we get to reconstruct a faith that we had to deconstruct. We get to do that. We have the privilege of doing that for one another so that when people come in damaged and hurt, we get to say, you know what, you are in a safe place to reconstruct a faith, to pay attention to scripture and culture and context in different ways than you have ever done before and you're safe doing it. And that's what we get to announce. We get to announce that there is a new kingdom coming And we play a part in it. Just like Abraham did with circumcision. Just like Paul did when Paul said no circumcision. We do the same thing now. Last week, Mira stood up here. And she said something that might have, some of you might might have missed. It 
it struck me. She said, you know what? Um, I was scared to death for my parents because my parents weren't Christian. And then she said something else. She said, I had to give up my Indian Hindu identity because I was told that it wasn't what God wanted in my life. And that felt devastating. Um, it felt devastating because it's so cultural, right? And what we've narrowed Christianity to is a white Western thing. That's what we've basically said it is, right? And so Mira has to give this part of herself up in order to be in with God. And I've never known a God who would say, I love you so much and I've created you perfectly. Now give that perfect part of yourself up. That's a lie. And yet it's a lie that we are teaching in our churches. And we are at a place in history where we get to give the good news of Jesus Christ that says it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you look like, what ethnicity you are, you are all made perfectly in God's image. And that's why we as a church want to partner with people who espouse that belief. American Arab Family Support Center, Interfaith Alliance of New York City. That's why we work with, uh, with Emmaus Collective, which does anti-racism. We do it because we partner with people who are living in a new and incredible way in this world and we get to be a part of it, just like Abraham, and just like Paul, and now us. There's a woman who goes to our church. Her name is Courtney McGinnis. She's an amazing woman. Some of y'all know her. This is what she said. She wrote this, and I want to read it for you. She says, my path with Forefront crossed in less than four months after a day that changed my life forever and all I knew would come crashing down around me. Forefront met me with affirmation, comfort, safety, and most of all, the space to build a relationship with God for the first time ever. I was amazed how walking into Forefront for the first time felt as though I had known everyone for years. I took in everything around me and was instantly comforted knowing I was not the only new girl, and holding my girlfriend's hand was not actually making anybody do a double take. I watched families from all different backgrounds take part in the service and envision Forefront being a place that would welcome my young son, belonging to a church that welcomed my whole self, men accepting my sexuality, my biracial son, and the scary past I have traveled with and through. When we are a church that says we live out and act out our faith through love and affirmation, we get Courtney. And here's what Courtney has done for me. Courtney works in the mental health field. And there's so much stigma around mental health, around mental illness. Something that I've been afraid to talk about, I didn't want to talk about it. And what Courtney said is, hey, you're a church, you have a voice. If we're going to be a voice of Jesus Christ, why don't we talk a little bit more about mental health and erase some of that stigma? And so she set up panels and she created guidelines for us. And we're continuing to work in ways where we can help those who are struggling with mental illness. And Courtney gave me the courage to stand up here and say, hey, by the way, I suffer from depression and anxiety and it's brutal and I'm still loved by God. Thank you. Yes, and she did that. Yes. And that is what happens. That is what happens when we decide, when we decide that we have something new and something that matters and a new way to live in Jesus Christ, the just and generous expression of Jesus Christ. This is what happens when we have the courage of Abraham to start something and then the courage of Paul to end that thing because it no longer works. And right now, there is an American Christianity that needs to end. And we get to start it new. And we get to decide that we're going to live and act out our faith in love and affirmation. So right now, maybe you're a family member and you're like, you know what? I was raised a certain way, but I don't know if I want to raise my kids that way. Good. We're a part of a story. Be here and invest in it. Bring your kids to it. Maybe some of you identify as LGBT+. And the story I told you from three years ago resonates with you. That's awful, and I'm sorry. 
This is safe. Live out. Live out that, that affirmation through faith with us. Invest in this church. Perhaps you're deconstructed and you're tired. I don't even know what Christianity is anymore. I don't even know if God exists. Great. Welcome. Live out this faith with us. Invest with us. And some of us in this room, me included, we're like, you know what? I wait 17 months before I buy a pair of wireless headphones. How am I going to invest in this church? I just got here. I get it. I get it. We're careful, and we think sometimes just, just researching is actually doing the work, right? We think we've done the work just by researching. I'm going to ask you to take that courageous step, the one that Abraham took when everybody laughed at him, and the one that Paul took when he told a whole group of people that, that, that this was no longer needed, circumcision was no longer needed. I'm going to tell you to jump in, and it's going to be scary, and it's going to be cold, and it's going to be hard, and we're going to have to give something up, and it's going to change people's lives. And it's going to change our lives because we are announcing something new and something beautiful in the name of Jesus Christ. We are ending the old and bringing in the new. And we all get to play a part in it. So what are we waiting for? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you, for, thank you for bringing peace to this place and then loving us enough that you invite us into bringing that peace. Give us the courage to live that out. Give us the courage to, uh, to give up something so that others can have life. And when we mess that up, thank you so much for your grace upon grace. I pray this in your name. Amen.